Yeah, this was my old Halloween costume from 2020, maybe. I don't know. 2019. You were just Trudeau? Justin Trudeau. It's after the brown face, after he did brown face. Oh, that's great. So you did Justin Trudeau in brown face. In brown face as myself, basically. (laughs) Yeah. I got, I got some comp, I got a lot of compliments that year. That's Um, hilarious. It was good. I like, it's one of those like Halloween costumes you put together last minute and you're like, okay, I can't, I don't know what I'm going to be, but I have a suit jacket. So I'll just do, okay. I I got something, you know? I mean, that's something. And it's something. Yeah. And then I was kind of worried. I was like, oh man, nobody's going to know what this is. Um, But people knew, people knew what it was. Yeah. I want to say that if I was close enough to the news story where it dropped. What did he dress up like, like Aladdin or something? He, yeah, it was basically like, uh, it was like a, a Arabian Nights theme. <laughs> Sorry, uh-huh. I just don't know why that. Like, why is that even a theme? Like Arabian Nights. Um, but anyway, yeah. So that's that's what he dressed up as, and he did pretty pretty egregious brown face. The only kind of brown face, yeah, or black face you can do. I haven't dressed up for Halloween in a long time because yeah. I'm driving Uber. And I, I couldn't dress up in the car. Maybe I should. Maybe I'll go as Obama this year. <laughs> Not blackface. Though. Not blackface. Just I'll regular. wear the mask. <laughs> I'll wear a full mask. Right. Yeah. It's gonna be a driving hazard. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I won't be able to see. You very won't be well. able to see anything. But politically, you will, and also morally, you will have done the right thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So look out for me this year. I'm look. Be- no. Literally, look out. <laughs> literally, like watch out for Sam on the roads. Um, people yeah. are just gonna think you robbed a bank. <laughs> yeah, you you can't really wear a rubber mask. No, except for on Halloween. On Halloween, I mean, I'll be behind the wheel of a car. I'll be driving for money. Yeah, I've never seen a. I've never taken a new. I mean, it's been a while since I took an Uber on Halloween, but I've never seen a driver dressed up. It's too chaotic. Yeah, it you you don't want to invite a party into. I'm not cash cab. Yeah, and when you see like a guy who's dressed up, like I think it just it gives a little bit too much. Uh, it hypes people up too, too much. Too much juice, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I want people to be as little hyped as possible. Yeah, you you they get into your car and you're like, this is business as usual. Yeah. Um. There's no reason to. This night's n- not interesting to me. No spooky <clears throat> music. If anything, I'm trying to be more <laughs> spooky music. No <laughs> spooky music. I'm, if anything, I'm trying to be more normal than ever. Yeah, <laughs> you're playing like talk radio. Yeah, <laughs> on the on the radio. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So you're probably not gonna dress up this year. I don't know. You know, Halloween is so many nights that I should. I could pick one. Halloween is like October now, basically. Yeah, spooky so. season. I guess I could get dropped like dressed up one day this month okay i just normally don't do it do you like do you like horror movies no they're too scary i like horror movies yeah um but so i have like i have an idea of what i want to dress up as uh this year what's that i'm gonna be one of the guys from hereditary like one of the characters okay um it's a simple it's really simple i'm just gonna need a hoodie and like a crown basically so that'll be smooth sailing smooth sailing that'll be good yeah um so, should we get started? <laughs> yeah, welcome to Perfect Politics. Welcome to Perfect Politics. I'm Milan. And I'm Sam. And uh, this is the podcast where we talk about Halloween. Yeah. And also politics. Costumes. Costumes. You're <laughs> Costume looking good ideas. today. You look good too. Thank um, you. I mean, we had to dress up this week because last week was unhinged. We went our unhinged last, last week, yeah. Our last episode, you got to check it out. It was crazy. Yeah. Sam's drinking expired beer. Uh-huh. I'm going crazy talking about the movie Spring Breakers. Yeah. And um, I mean, in just in, I mean, 
we we almost fought each other. It it truly went off the rails. Yeah. And so this week we've decided to bring it back on the rails. We're back on the rails. We're back to hard hard nosed journalism. Yep. No nonsense journalism. That's right. That's why we're wearing the blazers. Yeah. Not only that, but you did you did us a favor this week, uh, and you bought us an issue of the of the New York Times. That's right. Um, premium news is back. Premium news is back. One of our older segments. We're not, it, it is, it, I mean, like, honestly, just dropping this, act, dropping my act for a second, uh-huh. uh, there is such a big difference between the, like, actual newspapers and the um, the kind you just see on the internet. Yeah. You brought that to my attention, and I was like, oh, I think it's going to be the same. It's not the same. No, the yeah. stories are different. It's like a different world. It's a different world. It's a more real world. It's real journalism. It, it is, yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, once you buy the New York Times, they respect you. The paper the pe- itself respects you, yeah, because you already bought it. Yes. Whereas your phone, it doesn't respect you at all. No. And so, and and every second you keep looking at it, the phone makes more money. It's and it's it's baby news. It's baby news. It's baby news, <laughs> and we're not doing baby news anymore. I've noticed like a, a big difference is that there's obviously no blue light coming out of the newspaper <laughs> that like sucks me in and sucks my soul out. Your eyes aren't getting fucked up from I, my. It's yeah. <clears throat> I mean. um it's a different reading experience when you have a thing. It's a different, yeah. You get your your fingers get that the ink on it. The, not as much uh-huh. as it used to. Like when I was younger, I feel like I feel like the technology's gotten better on the ink. It didn't it didn't rub off on me as much. I think that's right. Yeah. I think that's right. And um also, you know, I I don't know. I think that the the headlines also and the things they choose to report on on news websites are like candy kind of. Mhm. I mean, they need you to click. They need you to click on stuff. There's no clicking in a newspaper. No, they need you to turn. They don't though. They don't. You already bought it. You bought it. (laughs) It's over. You might have bought it just for like one news story. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it was a good week to buy it because a lot of stuff happened. Yeah, it was. Is is I is this a daily newspaper or a weekly? This is a daily newspaper. That is insane to me. Like when when you showed me how much news is in a day yeah the new york times is doing stuff and they're not just headlines these are like full like yeah. articles real reporting is it happening blew over my, there. it blew my mind it's nuts yeah i was like and i gotta do this tomorrow uh, yeah. like and i have to <laughs> buy one of these tomorrow and read the whole thing that's crazy yeah it's a certainly it's like an intense light it's a lot of reading if you were a daily consumer of the new york times it's for old guys it is for old guys you gotta have a lot of time on your hands yeah um that's why we read it and we bring it to you yeah we bring it to you, the viewer, the so listener. That, so that you don't have to buy one, spend the money, and then spend um, approximately what I would assume is five hours reading this. <laughs> that's how that's how long it would take me. Yeah, there's like a lot of puzzles and games in it too. They do, I get caught on the puzzles. They, <laughs> that's where 40, That's I would say that's where 90% of my time goes. They do present you a product that you could theoretically entertain yourself with like all day. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. No, that's true. You could literally spend the entire day with the New York with Times. the New York Times. Yeah, and you'd be bummed out. <laughs> you would be bummed out. There's not enough entertainment in there. No, but you'd be informed and you'd yeah. be, uh, you know, better than, yeah. than your peers. I'm gonna close the window. I just forgot. It's uh, it's fall, so I open the windows now. To let in the fall air. Yeah. It's so nice outside. (laughs) It's really nice. It's a beautiful season. Yeah, it is. Um, Crisp air. Tomatoes are still good. They are, yeah. 
golf season's over, which is sad, but you know. But you've been playing golf more too. Yeah, I played the chip and putt yesterday. It was okay. I shot even, bogeyed the last hole. It was devastating. So even, what does even mean? Like, no, you didn't go over par? Yeah, it's a par three course, so. That's really good though. That's okay. It's okay? okay. Things are fine. <laughs> you don't seem excited about My that. My swing is a disaster. <laughs> I'm lost out there. Oh no! I'm not working hard enough. I don't think. Yeah, this but is... I really gotta. I mean, I gotta rein it in because this is some good. This is good golf. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm. I want to go golfing with you, but I. I, I want to see how seriously you take it for yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah, I lock in. You lock in. Uh huh. <laughs> it's a different side of you that I've, that I've never seen. No, I'm there to compete <laughs> with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What do you want to do? You want to talk about the movie? Yeah, I want to talk about the movie. So uh, this week we watched Wolf of Wall Street. What year are we on? Is that 2000? This is 2013. Yeah, this is our first movie that we we gave the responsibility to somebody else. My brother Will chose this movie. And I said, hey, Will, you got to pick a movie from 2013 that's of the time. It better have a cell phone from 2013. So what he did was chose a three-hour period piece movie, Wolf of Wall Street. So we watched a movie from the 80s. We watched a movie from the 80s. Uh, he broke the rules of our uh, podcast. But, yeah. Um, and we, we're going to have him on. We haven't called him yet, so. But he's going to, he's going to like, uh, he's going to talk about the movie with us. He's going to talk about the point. movie with us, yeah. Um, I, I'm glad that he chose the movie, though. It's really good. It's a great movie. Yeah. It's one of those movies where I've seen it, so many times but i've only seen the first like half or three quarters and i sometimes don't finish it i maybe finished it twice including uh last night when we watched it yeah it's a tough i mean it's three hours but it is a quick three hours like what we watched it last night and there was no fatigue i don't yeah and i don't mean to say it's hard to finish because it's a bad movie it's one of those movies where it's really late and i'm like oh i like this movie yep it's 2 a.m yeah i don't want to fall asleep yet i'll just put it on and then Mm -hmm. i'll get like an hour into it it is a uh really fun movie it's like a party of a movie yeah it's like white collar scarface kind of Mm -hmm. it kind of reminded me of spring breakers in the sense that it's it's super vibe driven yeah. And energy driven and just imagery and uh it's just stimulus, which is really right. cool. Well he's like he does every drug, uh, Jordan Belfort, so he's always high. And so you're always looking at a guy who's not sober. So like there's very rarely sobriety going on in the movie. Yeah, they don't do anything to to put you in the viewpoint of someone who's on drugs like a lot of movies do that or they want you to feel like you're on drugs right this is uh it's the same uh kind of cinematography and then the same viewpoint of this guy regardless of what drug he's on you Mm -hmm. do you do kind of feel like the anxiety of being on cocaine at a certain point and certain points and then they show you what being on lewds is like but for the most part you're just watching this guy do a ton of drugs yeah um it's the it's the the first maybe the biggest quaalude movie which is kind of cool. Like, it introduced me to Quaaludes. They introduced everybody or, or a lot of people to a drug that wasn't represented in movies yeah, before. Yeah, big Quaalude representation movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this should be an award or some notoriety for that, yeah. Yeah, there, there should be a medal. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like this movie kind of gets a bad rap sometimes mm-hmm. uh, because... It influenced a lot of douchebags. Yeah, you can't go. choose your fans. You can't choose your fans, yeah. So it's funny because 
the way that I've watched this movie is I bet how a lot of people who are dumb watch the movie, uh, which is they just watch the first part, which is supposed to be all the fun stuff. Yeah. And then they kind of get tired before reaching the conclusion, which is him, his life falling apart, essentially. Right. And him betraying all of his friends and his friends betraying him and then him being like violent and just, you know, generally being unmasked for a drug addict and a piece of shit. Yeah. Hitting his wife, stealing his child. Yeah. Crashing his car on drugs. Yeah. Crashing his yacht on drugs. <laughs> crashing a helicopter on drugs. Yeah, there's a lot of... There's a lot of uh, he crashes every vehicle you can think of. Every vehicle. That's why... That's another reason why this movie is cool. You get to see, like... You get to see a helicopter fall off of a yacht, which was really cool. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good New York movie. Even though it was a period piece, I think it was a good 2013 movie, but because of what you're talking about, like, the douchebags that it inspired. Or the douchebags who saw it, and instead of seeing it as, like, a, a tale of a criminal, they were like, this guy's a hero. Yeah. Do you, do you think it's a satire? I, I mean, I think that Mar Martin Scorsese obviously uh, detests this type of behavior, and I think all of the actors obviously think it's gross and wrong. Um, but I think the majority of people who really love this movie see it as, like, a these guys are protagonists stealing a bunch of money. Yeah. Like it, it, it is kind of a, a heist. It's heist. It, it is a Guess heist. Guess what? Another heist movie coming from perfect politics. Yeah. Because uh, he's called the Wolf of Wall Street because there's an article that somebody writes about him where he's stealing from the rich and then giving to himself is like the quote right. from the movie. So he's like a twisted Robin Hood. Right. So it is, it is kind of a heist of a guy who comes from middle class and then works his way up to um, becoming rich by uh, fucking over other people. Right. But he also made his fortune fucking over working class people through penny stocks. Right. <clears throat> yeah. At first he says he's selling garbage to garbage men. Mm -hmm. And then it evolves where he's selling this garbage to the 1%. Yeah. So I, I watched a short interview. There's like a Charlie Rose interview with uh, him, with Scorsese and Leo. And so Leo's saying that it's a satire. And then Scorsese's like, I don't think this is a satire. I think we just, I think we just kind of, I just made the movie the way that uh, Jordan Belfort wrote about it in his biography. Yeah. You know? No, I think nothing about like uh, Leo's attitude in the movie was over the top for who Jordan Belfort actually is. No. And what those guys actually think and so, feel. So maybe satire means that you're kind of um, accentuating it or, mm -hmm. or um, what do you call it? Whatever. Aggrandizing whatever yeah. is Hyperbole. the source. Hyperbolizing like the source material. Um, because, I don't know, I think, I think he just kind of, they just represented the guy the way that he represented himself in his book. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't think there was any part of it that he could like uh, contest and be like, "That was not us." That that was the thing that Leo keeps saying in the interview is that he talks about how Jordan Belford is so honest when he has conversations with him, and he's like, "Yeah, I just really liked how honest this guy was about his mistakes and how bad of a person he was." <laughs> My opinion is, I still think he's a con artist, and I yeah. think he's just he's selling books. He got a movie made about him. Um, he's still doing seminars uh, and kind of getting caught for for those being scams a little bit too. Like there's been controversies around that too. Yeah, what's his argument that he's a great salesman? 
but it's like his entire history is just selling junk on purpose his entire history is selling junk and i think the movie shows that at the end when he's still running this kind of bullshit tony robbins seminar Mm -hmm. you know i mean he's still selling junk to people yeah um so i think that the way scorsese views it is he, he views them negatively i think and critically and also what i wanted to say was there's a lot of parts in the movie where jordan is like or the main character he's narrating his life and then what you're seeing on the screen is like a critique of that like for example they're talking about him like like having sex with one of the broker's wives and he's like yeah anyway that guy quit and then you know he killed himself three years later and there's like a brutal shot of him dead in the in a bathtub and it's like it's pretty jarring it's like it sticks with you you know i think so yeah you have to really turn your brain off to enjoy this movie and to see these guys as like protagonists to like love them as the pirates of the white collar world yeah um but i don't think he i think the way that the movie shows it like jordan doesn't understand that this is bad behavior even no it's yeah they kind of depict him as a sociopath yeah where like that type of stuff doesn't even like hit him on the richter scale of emotion remember when he when his wife finds out that he's cheating with naomi and then he said uh he says i was heartbroken Naomi, Naomi moved in three days later. Yes. <laughs> it's so yeah. funny. It's like, well, they're make you know, the movie's making fun of this guy for sure. Cause, yeah, no, I think so. Because he's, he's, uh, he's a fraud. He's, he's totally fake. <laughs> and yet a lot of the people that I feel like I knew growing up, went to college with, saw this and they were like, fuck yes. Yeah. Finally. I want to be this guy. <laughs> I, I, get, I get pumped up when I see all the rich guy stuff. I still do. And I think that's p- the point of it, right? Yeah. I think... I think how glamorous is this? Yeah. They, what's cool about it is he, the movie shows how glamorous it is until it's not, which is really cool because it, it almost feels like the first 80% of the movie is showing how cool it is. And then it comes crashing down when... Um, it's kind of like when his friend betrays him. It's know? still really sobering for the viewer, though, because like he's in he's on house arrest at yeah. his huge mansion. It's hard to feel bad for him there. Yeah, and then he goes to jail where he's just like playing tennis. Yeah, he never really he's not struggles. He's never struggling, and he never really gets the full brunt of his consequences. Right. Um, Whereas the FBI agent who puts him away, like, has the ultimate success story arc. But then he finds himself on the subway going home, and he's looking around as like. What did I win? What did I win? Everybody's still poor um, around me. Mm-hmm. I'm still poor. I didn't impact the lives of the people that I have to exist with. Yeah, and I thought my that life was, is still a bummer. It's 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 a good reason. Like if you if you like this movie, to rewatch it and watch it just in one sitting to the end because you'll notice small things like that. I I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just a bad movie watcher and I didn't pay attention the first couple times. But um, I really liked watching the whole thing. Um, <clears throat> I, oh, I have a couple of fun facts. Yeah, and we can me. we can move on to some news. But uh, so he when he was in when Jordan Belfort was in jail, he served with Tommy Chong at the Taft Correctional Institute. Um, and so Tommy Chong like listened to his story and inspired him to write uh write the novel or write a biography about himself. Wow. So we, we kind of have Tommy Chong to thank. Wow. Yeah. Jordan Belfort and Tommy Chong. Yeah, that's what we. That's the collision of American uh, culture that needed to happen. Yeah, and I think maybe I, I would say he's the reason that we have the Wolf of Wall Street. That's know? awesome. Yeah. The other thing is, I looked into Jordan Belfort's um, politics, and he's a Trump guy. No and, way. 
He's a he's a big Trump guy. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. And then also very critical of like Bernie Sanders and uh, Elizabeth Warren in the 2020 primaries because they were he thought they were going to hurt uh like destroy the fabric of American business right. with their policies. Right. So, uh definitely definitely a Republican. <clears throat> so socially uh socially liberal. Oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever heard a, of this combo? A brave rich guy who's willing to support social rights. Yeah. He's pro he's pro abortion. So, you know, it's funny that he never followed the law and he never sold anything that had any value in it. He never created value in any way. But like now his image is like we have to defend Republican principles of investing. It's like you broke the you're a, you're a, you're like Blackbeard, you're a pirate. Yeah, isn't I mean isn't there a point in the movie where he's like they're peeing on subpoenas? Yeah. Is that, how do you yeah. say that word? <laughs> yeah, it's like they kept sending us subpoenas and subpoenas. We, we pissed on them. And we pissed on them. Cause, and it's like, fuck America, basically, is what he they're did saying. S- he did say fuck America. Yeah, I, at I least Jonah it, Hill's character says it. Yeah, I think it's like, yeah, fuck America is yeah. a thing that they say in the office. And Which feels right. Like, that feels yeah. yeah, they're being honest. Yeah. I think that like the takeaway from that movie is people don't see them as like the fuck America crew. Because like, hey, they're like rich white guys. Like, we like that. That is American. Yeah. No, it's like business is um, intercontinental. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a globalist, <laughs> which I don't know if that's a bad term, but I, I just mean that in the sense that like money is money regardless of where you are in the world. Right, all so, of these guys are more capitalists than they are American. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's true for anybody attempting to make money. So it is weird for him to be like, I'm a Trump guy, because it's or like to be political at all in that sense, right? Like you uh, said, he I think he's just still grifting. He's still grifting, I think yeah. he's like... Still just trying to say things to make himself relevant. I just didn't, I think, uh, you know, I think in this interview with Leo, he's talking about how honest he is. And the more I just read about this guy, it's like, he's not honest. He's just a grifter. He grifted you into making a movie about him. Oh, but that's the other thing is, uh, so Leonardo DiCaprio read the book and then brought that to Scorsese. Oh, okay, cool. So this was his kind of project that he was like, I really want to make this movie. And then Scorsese was like, well, I've kind of dealt with this idea in previous movies. I think, I think probably like Casino, Goodfellas kind of thing and he's like i don't know if i need to make another movie like this but i think leo was the reason that it was like pushed through yeah it's much easier to for me to like the mafia guys in like casino and goodfellas yeah one that's like a real dangerous lifestyle there are uh consequences to being in the mob where that life is more interesting than like a, a white collar guy stealing from everybody with almost zero consequences. Yeah, and uh, I was thinking about how violence plays a role in the different movies too, because there's three, I would say three moments of real violence that are kind of, and they're all shocking and they're all uh, they're all like pointed out. So yeah. I would say the first one was the bathtub where the guy kills himself and mm-hmm. you see that image. The second one is where they beat up the gay butler guy Yes. Um, for stealing. Yes. And then the third one is probably when he hits hits his wife. It's like slaps her. Yeah. Uh, in the in the final kind of like moments. Right. And he uh, punches her. Any any punches her at the end yeah. too. Yeah. So it's like you're really, they're really pointing out those moments of violence. Whereas like when you're watching Goodfellas, violence is just a part of the world. You know. Yeah. And um, I do kind of think, I do kind of think when you have to be violent for money, it's it's an indication of having less privilege almost. Totally. Yeah. 
So I kind of, I'm kind of with you on that, where these guys are kind of scumbags because they don't have to be violent or see the consequence of what they do. But right. ultimately, what it's going to end up in is people like getting hurt. Yeah, it's way worse. Like if you believe in capitalism, the amount of money they're stealing ruins way more lives than yeah. like the mafia who like performs a hit on somebody. Yeah, it's within their own, probably their own community. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's like way more dirty. It's way more hands on. Yeah. They have to feel like viscerally feel what the consequences are, right. or they have to shut down their emotions so much more. Right. Yeah. Right. They're more sociopathic. Yeah. Whereas, like Joe Pesci is sociopathic in both of Good uh, Goodfellas and Casino, but he's a more well-rounded human. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd a, rather hang out with him. I'd rather hang out with him. Yeah. I wouldn't want to cross him, but yeah. No. <clears throat> uh. Cool. So. That was we'll we'll talk more about it with your brother maybe. Yeah, we'll call my brother later this week and we'll see what he's got to say. Can we can we say generally what he does or should we leave that out? He's he's your brother. We need to go he is my brother. Yeah. We need to go over with the ground rules with him. Um I'm not sure what we can say. Let's let's talk about it with him then. Yeah. Cool. Um do you want to start with some stories or should I hop in? I mean, this is this is hard news that I've got this week. Yeah. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm kind of scared, honestly. I'm nervous. Yeah. Um, but I think we can make it funny, though. Yeah, you go ahead. You start. Okay. Um, I'll start with the Google is on trial for antitrust laws. They're getting too big. And uh, basically, the Microsoft CEO, his name's Satya Nadella, he testified and he said, Microsoft can't compete with Google. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, I think the quote was, the, inter- the internet is really just Google web. I think that's the quote, and if you if it is, that's a weird way to talk about the internet. Google Web. Google. I mean, that is how. It sounds like a guy who does never used the internet before. You can still Yahoo stuff. You can still Bing something. Mm-hmm. You know, Google doesn't control everything. You know, it's funny in this article, Bing was not mentioned once. I bet it wasn't. It wasn't mentioned once, and I damn and shame. I, and I, I think it was an accident. Look, I think, I've binged my way to the truth before. That's what I gotta say. Me too. I binged today. Did you? Would you uh, bing Google? I just wanted to see what would come. I just wanted to see what would come up. <laughs> what, what what happened? It was it was good. It was like it showed like G. It was like uh, the the UI is very nice on Bing. It's not bad. You know what I yahooed uh, this morning mm. is recycling good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about it. Um, I read a little bit about it. I mean, I think recycling is good, but it's more complicated than I would like to fantasize it to be. I would like to think that everything I put in the blue bin gets recycled. Yeah. And that's not true. I this is can you can I just tell you what I think recycling is? Yeah, you put it in the blue bin. Yeah. they take it to a factory. Yep. They they melt it all down, right? And then it it turns into like basically reusable cubes. That That's what be, I think too. It's alchemy, in my opinion. Yeah, I um, think I think the same thing, and I think that is almost correct. Sweet. In a fantasy world, I think that's correct. I think that works for like paper and aluminum and cardboard. But then once we get to plastic it becomes a little bit dicey. Not every recycling facility can handle plastic so well. Right, which is why, probably why everybody's so anti-water bottle, plastic water bottles. People are anti-plastic water bottle. Um, I think one thing is, if you, you, you throw plastic water bottles, and look, we're people who have been buying plastic water bottles by the 140. Yeah. We're on our second round of Costco bulk so, water. So by the end of the year, we, we'll probably have crushed 280 
No, I mean that's that's uh, uh, like a thousand water bottles. We're looking at a thousand <laughs> a year, maybe a thousand yeah. water bottles a year. Sure, yeah. Um, which I don't think I'm proud of that number. No, I'm not. But yeah. I'm also not that disgraced by such a number. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if we buy these plastic water bottles, we send them, put them in the blue bin, recycle them. They go to a facility. Maybe they don't get recycled, and then they get moved again to a landfill which is so you're saying that's kind of worse that'd be worse than just throwing it away because it's two trips it's two in trips. a garbage truck yeah i the reason that i uh started recycling in the first place and p- actually like separating that stuff out is because people like uh like people walk by like homeless people and they get the water bottles out of the trash cans and i was like well if i put them all in one bag it's like easier for them right so that's why i did it It wasn't even for the environment i was like maybe this will make that easier i think that's uh noble of you yeah you're helping the local community i'm trying to do something with my over drinking of plastic water bottles yeah um the current brand of water bottle we have right now is 50 percent recycled plastic okay so half of it's new plastic, half of it's recycled. Okay. But we're also now realizing that plastic is very hard to recycle. Maybe so. Maybe yeah. so. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what, what kind of, like if we don't know if we're getting fed the truth right now. Yeah. Um, some of like the lobbyists who kind of advocate for recycling plastic, it's like funded by Coca-Cola. Right. And they love plastic. They love plastic. They just want us to believe that it's all meltable. Right into cubes and right. then reused it into coca-cola bottles so even if we do a comprehensive plastic research uh i think we still have to take it with a grain of salt because we're getting a lot of our information on plastic from coca-cola we do we go just directly to the coca-cola website yeah we say we go to- well, is plastic good and they say <laughs> it's great it just redirects you to <laughs> coke.com <laughs> And then there's like a coupon that comes up for like a free bottle of Coke. And you're like, ooh, delicious. <laughs> plastic is delicious. Plastic is the, fu- <laughs> the future of plastic. <laughs> when you when you go tour in Atlanta, like the Coke facility, there's just like an entire room de- dedicated to like, here's what we do with plastic. We turn them into aquariums. <laughs> they have like plastic sculptures and they're like, see? Yeah. Look yeah. how beautiful our plastic art is. Yeah. Plastic, our plastic bottles are saving the ocean, actually. Um, they're saving the turtles. <laughs> yeah, so uh, look, we're keeping an eye on ourselves. We're keeping an eye on ourselves, and we're keeping an eye on plastic, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on plastic watch. Okay, plastic the, watch. Until the end of the year, probably. I wonder whatever happened to me being on rubber watch. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot, like, we choose a new material every two weeks to watch. <laughs> Weren't we on like glue wash too? Because because yeah, somebody like <laughs> pl- protested by gluing themselves. Uh. Yeah, some theater kid like glued their ass to a tennis court during the U.S. Open, and yeah, I like so. how you call them theater kids too. Like that's definitely what it is. Yeah, <clears throat> and look, I like them. I support the protesters. I support the protests too. Yeah, especially the climate ones because they break the law, and I think that's punk rock. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're definitely theater kids who are just like, excuse me, everyone, <laughs> gather around. I've glued myself to something again. Get ready for the performance of a lifetime. <laughs> Women, children, come all. I've glued myself to the Stanley Cup. <laughs> what are you protesting? Ice, of course. <laughs> 
They're just. Uh, I'm yeah. protesting me not being on TV right now. Yeah. <laughs> SAG might be on strike, but I can still perform. <laughs> if there's glue in bottles, I will be performing on a stage. <laughs> Yeah, we got to get SAG what they need so we can get these protesters back to work. <laughs> we got we to gotta end the SAG strike. Yeah, get these productions going again. Yeah, but no, I'm I'm pro protest too, yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're adding plastic to the list of things that we are watching. Yeah, we're on Plastic Watch. I got international news. Hit me. Um, Chinese billionaire Huey, uh, Hui Kayan is under investigation by the Chinese police. This guy is one of the richest guys in China, or was the richest man in China. He had a company called Evergrande. Basically, he's just a, a developer. He made uh, housing complexes, and he's in $300 billion of debt right now. You told me that number a few hours ago, and I just laughed and laughed. $300 billion. That makes him the poorest man in the world. Yes. It's a real... He, he was poor when he was growing up. It's a, it's a rags to riches to rags story. <laughs> Um, he had zero dollars growing up. Who could imagine that one day he would have negative three hundred billion dollars? He's more. He's he's worse off than when he was a child. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his lifestyle, I'm sure, is still extravagant. Yeah. and magnificent. We'll see. We'll see if he gets um, executed by the Chinese government. <laughs> I'm sure that's on the table. It might be on the table. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we've talked about you know debt in the past. Having a lot of debt doesn't mean you're poor. It means you're rich. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how a man gets his, gets his way out of $300 billion of debt. I'd like to see it. I love in the articles when you read about how what their plan is. They always have a plan to get out of this debt, uh-huh. right? They're like, okay, well, um, we have a plan to repay uh, $1.4 billion yeah, of course. back over the course of three years to one of our debtors. It's like... <laughs> That's a start, yeah. Um, I don't know how you're going to get the other 299, but... I say I think he should open another credit card. Yes. No, definitely. He's got to open up a new line of credit, for sure. That's how I would fix my problem if I was in that much debt. <clears throat> he's got he's to build a new housing complex to Does cover. it say how he got himself into such magnificent debt? Part of it was that he um was due to covid and so because he built all these new housing complexes the chinese government kind of scared people they shut everything down so much that they were scared to like buy new houses in that time period right. so that was one of the things that affected it i don't know if that led to the entire 300 billion but it, was, it, it definitely affected him okay yeah and i sense. think the chinese government was on his side for for a good they they have to be for for you to get rich. Oh, I think, I think yeah. yeah, the Chinese government any government would love for an individual to accrue all of this debt because <laughs> it's not real. Yeah. But it's like you're pinning this problem on one person. Yeah. Um I hope he's okay, you know? I I I want to see him uh do better. Me too. I hope he gets back down to zero. I hope he gets <laughs> back down to zero. I think that'd be cool. Um but he's he's right now he's in trouble and uh he, he there's like a story about his childhood where he said he would uh he would walk to school with one bow and then it would get moldy in the su- this is this is my problem with the new york times is that i don't need to know this <laughs> this is like the, everything's a book in the new york times 
<laughs> so the writers are writing just a little bit too hard. They are. So so this is why I know the story that it would get it would uh the bow would get moldy in the humidity of the sun, and then he would have to scrape off the mold on and, his way to class. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Seems fast for mold to grow. Cool. But fast for mold. They got fast growing mold over there. Don't blame me. Blame the New York Times for <laughs> thinking that every article needs to be a fucking novella, you know? <laughs> Hard news, you know, sometimes it's. It's well written. It's. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So, the narrative is stronger than maybe you need sometimes. Yes. That's, that's something I've noticed. Um, I read a good article in the New York Times there. They're highlighting how Trump is going to his fraud trial in New York City. Yeah. Which is interesting because he's on trial for like so much stuff. But can, he, we, can we name all the stuff? Because it helped me earlier yeah. today when we talked about yeah, it. Yeah. So there's the, the documents that he kept after the presidency. Yeah. Um, there was trying to overturn the election in Georgia. Right. There was the insurrection, insurrection. that he incited. Right. And then there was the Stormy Daniels payoff stormy daniels did you already say the uh civil rape case i did not say the civil rape case that he was found guilty of that's right recently so he has five and then this would be his sixth this one yes okay um and this is the first one that he is attending the first trial that he's actually f- yeah his lawyers normally go but okay. he's he's showing up to this which i didn't know that until you told me that you can just show up yeah that, that you don't have to show up to your trial your your lawyers can go on your behalf i assume depending on what it is and like what stage you're at in the process yeah so he's showing up to this and may mainly just because of the publicity like he gets to be on camera he gets to talk to everybody he gets to say that this judge is racist and corrupt <laughs> and that you should go after her which i will say on perfect politics you should not go after her no i'd like for our listeners to go after no one i don't uh, yeah well i agree i don't want our listeners to go after everyone and don't send death threats to judges no please that's not our style that's not how we deal with our problems Mm -mm. just i know our 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 fans are so rabid that they'll they're impressionable you know they're gonna do what we ask them so please do not threaten a judge by cutting out uh letters from people magazine and then sending ransom notes yes yeah please don't do that Um, so why do you think why do you think it's important for him to show his face at this particular fraud trial? I think his image is so connected to his New York City real estate yeah. and his empire that this he needs to defend this more than he needs to defend himself against stealing an election. Yeah. Because because he's 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 known as a real estate mogul. Yeah, I think if you're like, hey Trump, you're accused of treason. He's like, yeah yeah yeah, wh- whatever. You suck. I'm cool. Yeah, but that's it's like Trump, you're a fraud. Your buildings are not as big as you say they are. He's wait a minute. Wait, yeah, buildings. Are, I built an empire. I built an empire. <laughs> yeah, the buildings are big. They're plenty big. Okay. Uh, so should we say what the fraud is? Because I think we talked about it last week. But he's basically calling the buildings. He told everyone the buildings are bigger than they are. That's part of it. Yeah, he's got four or five properties in New York, and he lies about how much they're worth in an effort to inflate his own net worth. And he does like subtle lies about all of them. But yeah, one of the big ones is that uh, he's got a, a building that is 11,000 square feet that he claims to be 30,000 square feet. He tripled the square footage. He tripled it. And he claims these are estimates. Nobody thinks these are real numbers. Yeah. I'm guessing. That's that's me when I do my taxes and I say how big my home office is. 
that is literally what I do. Where I'm like, no, yeah, the kitchen is part of the home office. That's where <laughs> I've taken a, a business call in the kitchen. I've taken a lot of business calls. Yeah, square footage wise, I mean, his his maximization of his buildings is exactly what I do on my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and there's a little, there's a, some more subtle examples of like using future projected earnings and saying it's happening now. Just small lies to add up to Trump being worth more. What? Uh, yeah, so he's just saying like, this is the this is the amount that we thought we were gonna make. Yeah, from this, he's like using the business expenses from two years ago, which were less. And he's using the future projections, which are more. Mm-hmm. And he's saying those are happening now simultaneously. He's kind of a bend, he's a time bender. Kind he's of. bending time a little bit, yeah. I think his argument in he's court, a bender of time and space. Yes, and I think he is kind of the Doctor Strange of the political world. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and I think that might be, I think that might be his argument in court. Maybe is that he is he has superpowers. I would not be surprised to see such an argument come from him. Yeah, that he can bend time and space. I think he believes in the multiverse. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It, there's a universe where my buildings are a lot bigger, okay? And I just hopped in, but Loki was chasing me. <laughs> Loki was chasing me, okay? I got ta- I got sucked in a time hole. There's a lot of universes. There's a lot of universes. A lot out there, of universes folks. out there. I'm the best. Yeah, I'm the best. I'm always the best. One. I'm always the best. Yeah, I think he believes in the multiverse. That's so. Yeah, and and one reason he's showing up to this is because he's going to get so much uh, like fundraising from this. So he, didn't you say his, one of his biggest fundraising days was when he went to? Yeah, he got processed. Jail. Yeah. yeah, the day he got his mugshot yeah. was like the biggest influx of like campaign donations he's had in a long time. And so I imagine that he's getting a lot of donations from appearing uh in court. Okay. He's playing the victim. He's playing the victim. But he's not the victim. Like he he doesn't want he's not actually he's still strong. Like he doesn't want people to think he's weak. Right. Yeah. But he is trying to collect those those pity donations. It's really weird. I I don't get his 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 image is really flexible sometimes i think yeah it's more every single time he's going to court it's like an example of him being prosecuted yeah or persecuted right but when he steals from other people or when he cheats he's like well i'm savvy he's winning he's winning yeah Yeah. so he's not losing he's either winning or people are trying to take from him Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that's why i think he's showing up in court yeah he's either for the screen time he's either winning or people are coming after the throne Mm-hmm. He's got yeah, people are jealous. Very unfair. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was uh, an article in Premium News. I like this one. I think this is the trial, like the thing he's on trial for that I'm the most interested in. Yeah, yeah. It's so connected to his image. Yeah. And if he loses the right to do business in New York City, that's like everything. It feels really important. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm glad we're focusing on that. Uh, I got another one. Let's do it. Um. Diane Feinstein died, the senator in in uh, California, uh, super old woman. The thing that everyone hated about her the most is how old she was, and she just clung to power too long, um, and she died. What do you know? Do, do senators, you might not know this, but I wonder if senators have an age, can they age out of their position? It doesn't feel like they can. No, they're they're like uh, Supreme Court justices where they just do it till they die. 
you you have to keep getting reelected, unlike the Supreme Court. Yeah, but I I think that in California she just had like too much staying power mm-hmm. to to lose the vote. Um, but yeah, no, you can go forever, and she did. But she got voted in, in every time. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, got it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that's what I meant. Like, yep. yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So she's dead, and that means I didn't know this. I didn't know what happens when an active senator dies. Uh, it means the governor appoints someone to hold the seat until the next election the seat warmer the seat warmer so there's a seat warmer and the the next election for this happens in november the 2024 election is when there are three people currently running attempting to get that seat and the person appointed was not one of those three people it's lafonza butler uh first black lesbian person in the senate which is cool that's cool um She's pro reproductive rights for women. That's like the big headline of what she does. That's cool too. Um, one thing it, she's she worked for Uber uh, as a consultant, which I don't love. Um, and then she was hired as like the president of public policy at Airbnb. I don't love either. She's a tech bro. She's a tech bro. So and she she's not a career politician, but she is a tech bro. Right, she's a consultant. So she did some labor rights stuff, and then she started getting hired by a consulting company. How do you feel? How do you feel about consultants in general? Just if somebody says that word, I don't get it. I don't get it either. It doesn't make sense. I was gonna do it. Like I out of college, it, it was a career path because I I studied business. Right. So I actually did a little bit of it myself. I, I did okay. some consulting for the boys and girls club in seattle and it was like financial consulting no it was just like kind of uh just general like business consulting of here's some ways that you guys can make some more money or some different programs that would help grow okay that Uh, makes sense to me that realm of consulting makes sense to me once it gets into like the political consulting like uh lafonza butler like consulted kamala harris during 2020 i don't know what she's telling her it's an advisor She's advising her on how to win the election. It feels like uh, like in Lord of the Rings, like Wormtongue, when he's like yes. whispering in the uh-huh. king's ears, and he's like, he's like, they are all against you, sire. <laughs> it's he's like the puppet. He's, <laughs> he's turning the king into the puppet. She's also consulted Gavin Newsom, who ultimately appointed her to the Senate seat. Okay, Dick Cheney feels like a consultant. I think so. He was kind of like Bush's consultant, right? Well, I think that he told Bush what to do. I don't think he consulted him. He didn't consult, yeah. He wasn't influencing him. <laughs> he was just like, hey, shut up. We're going to do this. Right. Yeah. Wear your cowboy hat. Go put on a fighter jet uniform and inspire the people. Yeah. Go throw a perfect strike after 9-11. <laughs> he told him to do that. And he, and, and he did. Yeah, so I don't know if uh, this person's going to run. She has until December to decide if she's going to run. She's got two months okay. of being a senator, a tech bro senator appointed by the person she used to consult. And uh, then I guess she'll decide. Man, what would I do if yeah. I was appointed? I've never been appointed to anything in my life. I wonder if I would, if I wonder if I would run if I was in her position. Yeah, so she was the president of uh, something called the Emily Project. That might be wrong. But something like that, where they attempt to um, get people elected who support reproductive rights. Okay. It's like a pro-women in uh, government type of job. Okay. And so now she has been taken out of that, and she is now the seat warmer in the Senate. What would you do? 
you're the first lesbian black senator in California. Yeah. And you've just been appointed and you got two months to decide. I'm going to run. I'm going to go for it. You want it. Yeah, I want it because it's just all be it's a historical win. Yep. Right. If I if I keep the position as well, it's a historical win, mm-hmm. I think, because I've I've earned it essentially. Yeah, I mean, once you get voted in, you're voted in. Right. So there's nobody that can be that can say that I just was it was handed to me basically. No. Right. Um. So it's good in a in a social reform kind of way. Um. Also, I uh, you know, I get to go to those those big Senate rooms. Yeah. And I've always well, you love to- you love power. Well, no, I love those big rooms, you know? I always, I assume I get a gavel. <laughs> you do not get a gavel. Damn it, okay. That's gonna hurt my, that's gonna change my opinion on w- whether I want this position. It's okay, I have two months. Should we check in with me in two months? I'll and check see, in with you in two months. And see if I wanna be a senator? Yeah, we'll also see if she does anything. Yeah. If there's anything to do. Yeah, I don't know. Because, I, mean, I mean, like, uh, I don't think California really needs anybody uh, championing abortion rights. I think we're set. You know what I'm you know what I'm like interested in is last week we were talking about Gavin Newsom's uh signing bills for gun gun laws. Yeah. And I wonder what her stance is on that. Like and I wonder if that those two things affect one another. I want to say that she is pro gun gun control. Uh, gun control. Mm. Yeah. That would be funny if she wasn't though. That, <laughs> it would be funny. Yeah. That was one of Diane Feinstein's things is yeah. that she was pro gun control. Okay. And so I think to honor the legacy, I think that she is going to keep that going. Okay. I don't think you betray the constituents of Diane Feinstein in no, the two no. months that you are appointed. She has like a weird stance. She's like pro gun control, but like very lax on swords and knives. <laughs> She's just like so free about swords. And she just shows up. She just shows up to get like sworn in with a, like a huge katana on her, <laughs> slung around her neck. <laughs> I I mean I think ultimately what I anticipate from this woman. Woman is that she is going to be um, in support of reproductive rights. Yeah. She's going to be in support of gun regulation and she's going to uh, put all laborers in internment camps and make them work with no benefits and no pay. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I anticipate from the former consultant of Uber yeah. and then former president of public policy of airbnb yeah i mean do we want a former consultant we don't even know if she has a house she might just be she, she's just gonna be renting well she she does have a house but she's been living in maryland for a while okay so she's airbnb her california she's home right probably airbnb being her california home okay. until now yeah she's back baby she's back <laughs> get out cleaning fees applicable <clears throat> um okay i got a few stories i don't know which one i want to do we got something about the U.S. support for the U. It's about Putin and Ukraine. Uh, I got something about the Vatican, and then something about stand-up comedy. I think we. I, I want to talk about the comedy thing. Okay. Um, just because we do stand-up, and then uh-huh. also this was in the New York Times, and I. Uh, it it was basically just an article about whether or not uh, local scenes can exist in yeah. stand-up, um, <clears throat> because the internet, the influence of stand-up is just going to be the same everywhere so there's not going to be you know weird like regional differences between the scene in chicago and then a scene in i don't know nashville or austin or whatever yeah so 
it's kind of just posing that question. Um, the reason I wanted to talk about it also is because they mentioned Mike Bridenstine, who wrote The Perfect Amount of Wrong, The Rise of Alt Comedy on Chicago's North Side. And uh, I know Mike, he's cool, and he lives in LA, and mm-hmm. he, he runs a show called Microdose mm-hmm. in Eagle Rock. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, this is interesting. Comedically, I was raised on the east side of LA, but I put my clips on the internet. You could live anywhere, consume my clips. Yeah. You you get that east side. You get a little taste of the east side of LA. That's right. You don't have to come here. Just watch my clips on Instagram. Right. Instasam20 on Instagram. My <laughs> clips. My beautiful clips. My beautiful clips. <laughs> I think like at the end of your stand-up, there's like a whisper. It's like you're, we'll record it. It's like, my beautiful clips. Shh. And then it's just like smoky. <laughs> <laughs> smoky text that comes up uh-huh. <laughs> my beautiful clips <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't think um i i think there's still gonna be regional because I, I i go to portland to do stand-up sometimes because mm-hmm. i'm from there and it is a little bit different but i don't think scenes vary from b- because of the city as much i think comedy scenes vary due to economic class race and then like how big your city is Right. I think those things affect the type of comedy that you get more so than anything else. Totally. Small town comedies. I've, I've done comedy in Seoul, like open mic comedy in Seoul. Yeah. It's the same people. It's the right. same freaks everywhere. <laughs> it's the same people avoiding their problems with mental issues. Sure. And the inability to socialize. Yeah. Um, beyond being able to talk one at a time on stage. Yeah. Can't talk to anybody, but I can talk to everybody. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, since I started comedy, I don't think I've noticed a big difference in like scenes in different cities, really. Yeah. It all, it all kind of feels the same. I was in New York for a month and it felt the exact same. It's the same. Yeah. Uh, which makes more sense that LA and New York would feel the same. Yeah. But it's, but I don't know, like I've, since I, I've done comedy in Seattle, Portland and other, you know, done festivals in other cities, it, it really just feels the same everywhere that you, that you go. Yeah. Do you think that's a big internet thing? No, I just, I just think like, right. I don't know. I don't, mm-hmm. cause, cause I was, I felt that way before people started posting their clips all the time on the internet. Yeah. Um, it just felt like everything ended up being the same. I think if anything, there's way more diversity in what people consume. Yeah. Where like maybe 20 years ago, if you were like in an open mic scene, you were like, who are your favorite famous comedians? Everybody would have like a small pool of people to to pull from. Like I, these are the stand-up specials on Comedy Central and HBO that I loved. Um, and now there's so many comedians. There's so much comedy that everybody's inspiration is probably a little bit more unique. I think so too. I agree with that. I think it kind of helps to have everything online because you can go to a small city and there might even be like different like groups or different cliques where they're like, well, we kind of like this kind of comedy. So we run our show this way. Right. And then there's another show where it's like we do roast battles and we like that. And it's like, okay, well, that that kind of community can grow. Sure. So. Every city has two wolves in them. There's two, there, there's the alt scene and the roast battle scene. And the roast battle scene. <laughs> is, that, is that crazy how it's become? That is what it's become. Yeah. It's like yeah, this is the uh, yeah, this is the scene where we make fun of each other with the same setup punchline, <laughs> and we're very mathematical about how we do our stand up. Right. And, and then, someone wins. Yeah. We declare a champion. Yeah. And this is the alt scene where most of it's really not comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Or some of it's good. I don't know. 
Yeah, every scene has something good, something bad. Yeah. Uh, that's all. That's all I wanted to talk about. But I just thought that was cool because it was in the newspaper. Yeah, it is cool. Um, I want to talk about the Ukraine. So Putin has said that he wants to stop U.S. support of the Ukraine war by influencing the elections. I think it's so crazy how he can just say that. They're going. Yeah, he's not covert about it at all. He's like, we're doing it. We're gonna mess up your election. We're, try and stop us. Try and stop us. Yeah. It also feels like a really long-term way to win a war, you know? It's yeah. like, step one, we get the trolls. We get the trolls online. <laughs> step two, <clears throat> we wait till the election. We got time. <laughs> we got time to influence the elections. Four years later, people stop caring about the Ukraine. <laughs> yeah. And then we make our move. It's like, this is, this I feel like this is going to take a while. That is, I mean, part of the threat that he's making is that like, we got time. We are going to dismantle your entire government. Yeah. Don't worry. We're patient. We'll wait for this election. We'll elect who we want. Like we did in 2020. I think, I think there is reason to be concerned though. I think that's why the article was written is because you don't want to ignore threats like that when people are trying to influence the election because it it can have long-term effects yeah no it's bad it's um you don't want one of the other most powerful countries in the world being confident and saying we're gonna take you down yeah we want you to fail and we are going to uh manipulate your democracy until you do so Facebook and Google, they crack down on misinformation. Okay. But X has disassembled all of the teams that do that. Did you know that? I I, I kind of did. I mean, X is trying to destroy itself. I, I didn't believe you until I read that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, they are. I think it's a... Uh, I've been a little bit of a conspiracy theorist against X that it is bad on purpose. Elon's trying to destroy it. Elon is trying to destroy a, an egalitarian social media platform that is predominantly liberal because that is the people who gravitate towards that type of free speech. Um, and if you're conservative, you know where to go. Yeah. You go to my social media. You go to... Truth you, Social. You follow me on Truth Social. Yeah. Have you posted recently? No, I haven't even checked in a while. Oh, and I'd man. Like to see. You could be blowing up. I know. I know. We really got to get our clips on there. I do want to see what would happen. Yeah. We're, we, we need to start putting our clips <clears throat> out there on Truth Social. But you think you think he's basically dismantling it on purpose. I, I kind of agree based off this. Yeah. I mean, that seems crazy to get rid of your misinformation team. I mean, you're just inviting all ty all types of garbage, right. To come up, right? No, no. I think I think he wants it to be a, a dumpster fire. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's it's advantageous because he's so rich that like this can help Tesla, this can help PayPal, this can help the other uh, investment companies that he has going on. If there's like no uh, journalism coming from the people. Oh, okay. He want he just doesn't want people to be talking shit about his. When's the other... last time you saw a Tesla on fire on Twitter? Yeah, I don't not recently. I don't go on Twitter anymore. Sure. Honestly, yeah, it's pretty. It's a bare bones. Of but what I, it I was. think I think that's kind of a testament to it because I don't use Twitter anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, there's too many ads, and yeah, I just don't use it. Elon, another thing he's doing, and it's like in such bad faith. He went down to the border wall and like he was like, I'm going down to check it out here on X. You're your own journalist. Get out there in the world and film yourself. Like, get get down to it. People like, have been doing that, though. People have always been doing that. And yeah. it's like, 
journalism takes a lot of time and effort and education to accomplish. And so like to tell people, oh, you don't need to read the New York Times. You get out there. Just walk, look around. That's what's real. It's like, no, those nobody will know anything. Yeah. It'd be like if I was like, I like the NBA. And it's like, no, you don't. Get out to the... Get out to the park and, and shoot some hoops by yourself. <laughs> it's like, it's going to suck. Right. If, if that's all we, that we can rely on. Yeah. I yeah. can't dunk. <laughs> <clears throat> Set up a hoop in the border wall. <laughs> Start playing pickup basketball on the border wall. Um, so, yeah, there, there's other countries that have tried to influence our election too. So Iran in 2020 uh, tried to mess with the elections in Florida. Uh, Cuba has also done like very low level Mm -hmm. um, spread of misinformation. And then Venezuela attempted to, but never like did anything. So it's not just Russia. Other countries have tried it as well. Sure. And I'm sure that we're meddling in uh, foreign elections ourselves. Yeah. We also... Probably really successfully. Yeah. Probably by just having our army, our military go there and assassinate people. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty... I think it's pretty bluntly how we uh, meddle in other people's democracies. Yeah. We don't... We're not uh, a cyber attack country. No. We... We do attack. We do people attack. attack. <laughs> we do people attack? Yeah. We do people attacks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't do cyber attack. Uh-uh. That's not our style. Nope. Uh, the last story that I have is the about the Vatican. They're going to have like a talk called the Synod, which is where they're going to discuss the the church's stance on gay couples, whether women can become deacons, um, whether uh, priests can get married, a lot of more progressive topics. Yeah. And now women can be included in the uh conversation to vote on what they right what they do yeah we got a progressive pope pope francis yeah yeah he's 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 progressive which i think is fine i think the catholic church is a disaster i think they're the biggest criminal organization we have uh in this world uh, like maybe you can explain it to me why does it matter what the Cat? like i know if the catholic church is pro gay rights then it's good because it'll influence other churches to accept it as well, right? But on a human level, it's like, okay, I could just also be Catholic and be like, yeah, I, I'm cool with gay people. Yeah, I, I think that is a normal take, especially in America, that you can just be Catholic and have your own political beliefs yeah. separate. Um, I think the benefit of the Catholic Church being more progressive is that people stay in the church and that the church uh, has a future. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Instead of becoming more archaic. Um, he wants to bring, he wants to keep this. Yes. This, I don't even know what you, what do you call the church? Is it like an organization? Is it this, it's not the religion because the religion exists outside Correct. of the church. It's, it's an organization. It's almost a country in itself. Yeah, the Vatican is literally its own It's country. its own place and yeah. they have so much money and influence. Um, do they have a lot of money? I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh huh. And then they do they use that money to like influence? I don't know, like elections, or do they do they invest in things, or um, or does that money just go to church, other churches, probably? Yeah, I think it is more like up to the individual locations, like how Catholic money is spent. Mm-hmm. I don't really know, but they have money. They have a lot of money. And they have political interests, specifically anti-abortion. 
Got it. Yeah. So they it is it is political. They are a political entity, basically. Yeah. yeah. So that's why they have to progress with the times on all these other issues. Is because if they want to continue to have influence on the things that they care about, then they have to like bend on right. much like Obama. Much like Obama being, they have to evolve. They have to evolve. But not everybody in the Catholic Church wants to evolve. There's a guy in Texas. Yeah. Uh, a father, a priest of some kind, of maybe a bishop, archbishop, who says, no, the Pope's getting too gay or something like that. He said something <laughs> like that. Yeah. And he's, and he's saying, I won't abide by these new progressive ideas of the, of the Pope. Yeah. Well, and then, then don't, though, right? But he's your boss. The Pope is kind of your boss. The Pope still? is your boss. Oh, okay. Because then otherwise, if you don't do what, the pope says you're not catholic anymore you're like non-denominational like christian basically something like that yeah yeah i guess any priest in the catholic church could go rogue but they're relying on the institution that is the catholic church yeah that's why they continue to be catholic because it's an institution yeah whereas like other forms of like christianity are they don't rely on catholicism or the pope at all right they don't have a a, a president I feel like that's why it's more like the Wild West with Christianity and like mega churches and stuff. Mm -hmm. Because you can, there's just, there's like way more room for cult cult leaders and stuff. Almost. Yeah. Yes. Because there's no, there's no oversight. No. Yeah. <clears throat> hey, do you ever, do you have like any mega churches in your hometown? Um, I think so. I think they're around. Yeah. I didn't go to one. I don't really think I knew anybody who went to one. There's a, there's a couple in my hometown. Yeah. They're pretty big. Yeah. And I, I knew a lot of people that went and I would go like uh, Super Bowl Sundays. They would like do a lot of Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, You'd watch the Super Bowl there? You watch the Super Bowl there. Oh, that's and, cool. And they would just like have a bunch of stuff because, you know, they like set up, they just have like a hot dog stand and like they just have food and like that kind of rocks. TVs everywhere. Everybody. Christianity and Super Bowl Sunday makes sense to me. Yeah. There's no alcohol though. So I felt kind of bad for the dads. Like they don't get to drink or anything. True. I but think that's part of it. You know, if you're a dad, then you're responsible for bringing your family to the mega church. Yeah. It's your fault. It's probably, you probably chose it maybe. Um, but yeah, I wonder what the, uh, I would like to know the Catholic church's stance on the Super Bowl and football. <laughs> the Pope should pick a winner every year. Yeah, the Pope, the Pope should tell us if it's going to be heads or tails. I would love that. The Pope should be in a glass box at the Super Bowl. Should 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 we? We don't even have the coin anymore. The Pope just gets to decide whether it's heads or tails. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I think the Pope like vibes it out. Yeah, he calls God mm -hmm. and he figures out who gets the ball first. Yes, I like this idea. <laughs> and but you can still bet on what the pope is going to decide, right? You bet on yeah, you bet you bet on um what hat the pope's going to wear yeah. to the Super Bowl mm -hmm. and you can bet on what shoes he's going to wear <laughs> and you can bet on which team he picks to receive the ball first. Yeah. This is we've already improved the Super Bowl <laughs> adding the pope by adding the pope. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Well, I mean he has no the pope bowl. There's he has nothing to do. Yeah, he's got nothing to do. He Why has no not? responsibilities. Why not get involved in his yeah. position? Frankly, shouldn't exist. No, he's he's essentially the commissioner, like yeah. what the like the NFL commissioner, right? right. Yeah. So, uh, we'll see. We'll see what the church decides if they're going to support gay people. Finally, I don't think it's going to happen, but <laughs> we'll see.
Let's call it. This is a great app. It was a good app. We did our best. We did our best. Uh huh. Yeah, and we kept it professional. Yeah. Which we'll see good. how professional the phone call with Will is. Yeah, and we'll see what he thinks about Wolf of Wall Street. You're on air. Welcome to Perfect Politics. Oh, thanks for having me. Can you hear me? We can hear you. M- Milan's uh, here. Michael. We're all here. Hey, what's hey. up, man? Uh, I was just trying to get to be the first guest before Vivek. You beat Vivek. You, yeah. Okay. We're a ways away from Vivek. Not, well, after this conversation, maybe not. That's true. We don't know. I mean, we don't know where this is going to end up. And Vivek's got his own podcast now, so maybe we want to end up on that. Yeah. I think you want to be the acquirer. I don't, I think you, I think he needs to come to you. We'll let him come to us. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to seem desperate. Yeah. All right. So the reason that we're having you on, wait, actually, before we get into it, let's go over the ground rules because there's some things that you can say and some things that you can't say. Yeah, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. So this is, there's a few caveats. Um, I'm not allowed to say anything, quote, particularly inflammatory. Okay. Okay. I think that implies that I can say something like minorly inflammatory though. Sure. That was like a pretty loose, that was like kind of a nice guidelines. Okay. Um, nothing I say is legal advice, financial yep. advice, okay. or I guess political advice. Okay. And okay. I don't think I'm allowed to sort of endorse your views or like whatever is said on the podcast. Like I don't necessarily agree with. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. So you you cannot uh, provide us with any services of any kind or condone anything that is said. Okay. I feel like oh, there's already a great chasm between us, which I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that's how I feel. <laughs> you come to us in uh, quite a restricted capacity, but you can talk to us about Wolf of Wall Street. I can talk about Wolf of Wall Street, definitely. And I actually came with one news article, too, because I do know the format of the podcast. I love it. Sweet. You want to you hit us with a news article first? Yeah, let's do that. Oh, you, you want to do that first? Yeah. yeah. So, you might, Sam, you might have to move it like uh, to the the front of it. Yeah, okay, that that'll be better. Your speakerphone into a mic, and so um, this is a first time for me. Okay, so I was, and I actually have another news article, but it's actually related to the Wall Street. So let's do the non Wall Street one. All right. I mean, well, how so, much of how much of a list of things do you have with you today? <laughs> I have some content. I didn't know where it was going to go. All right. All right. That's good to hear. So yeah, hit us with the so, first one. So a woman is suing uh, Walt Disney Parks for $50,000 because she got hurt on a water slide in 2019. But the thing that's notable about it is <laughs> the slide was 214 feet, and it's called the Humungo Cowabunga. Yeah, it's, called, it's called the what? The Humungo Cowabunga? The Humungo Cowabunga. Okay. She got hurt. And the and it's being picked up by the news sources because she's saying that they like they quoted they basically said she got a wedgie <laughs> that was like quoted that was like said in the documents of the lawsuit so like that's kind of the claim is like wedgie gotcha okay and, which I thought was kind of awesome uh, she also said like a lot of like kind of injuries internal organs etc yeah um, wedgie at the top of the list. That, that's the main one 
and she's mm-hmm. suing for fifty thousand dollars. Okay, that seems reasonable for a wedgie. <laughs> I think that's right. Yeah, uh, in your legal opinion, how uh, valid do you think this case is? Um, you know. Well, I guess you can't say. I think, yeah, I guess I can't say. But you know, I think Disney's probably they probably have good lawyers. Um, but this, I mean, this is this is made like this is made headlines in a pretty big way. I think this is good for Disney, though. I think they want like this is the this slide is so intense it'll give you a wedgie yeah the line for this slide is going to be as long as ever now yeah this like, is good publicity this is the wedgie slide yeah i mean i i was reading about it in the article it's not, I mean, it's a 214 foot slide a 60 percent gradient <laughs> that sounds pretty fun. Yeah, it does sound really fun. This is great publicity. I didn't even know they had water slides. I've never heard gradient uh, measured on a water slide before. That's how you know. Yeah. That's what they said. And they, oh, it said, and it said uh, she can reach up to speeds of 40 miles per hour. I mean, that's quick. That's pretty fast, yeah. I, the My my issue with this, like, I, I want to be on her side and not Disney side, but my problem is that I always get a wedgie when I'm wearing a bathing suit. So it's like, how do we know that this wasn't a pre-existing condition for her? It's a good question. Did she get, has, did she get a wedgie on any of the other rides? <laughs> yeah. She sounds like guys, the type of person who gets a wedgie on all the rides. <laughs> you, guys are, you guys are thinking about lawyers. You guys are thinking like lawyers. This is what, this is what lawyers are thinking. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with, like a, with a quote, which, is, which I enjoyed. Quote, and this was from like the formal legal documents, like from the record. Quote, the force of the water can push loose garments into a person's anatomy, an event known as a wedgie. (laughs) (laughs) We officially have a wedgie legally defined. Yeah. I would also like atomic wedgie legally defined (laughs) at some point. Could this slide could in a in a in a world where there there's less regulation, could there be a slide that would push a woman's or person's like uh, bathing suit over their head. At what gradient <laughs> At what? do you become in danger of the atomic wedgie, <laughs> which is a felony? Yeah. Yeah, see, this is where I can't speak to, like, once we get into felonies, like, that's sort of, that's, that's sure. I can't speak Okay, to. yeah, okay. I understand. Uh, but I enjoyed, I, I, I enjoyed this news story. It, uh, it tied a lot of things together for me. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I actually don't know which side I'm on, but I want to see where, where it develops. Yeah, I'm on I'm on her side. I think 50000 is totally reasonable for, for something like this. But what does that mean? Do you want the gradient to be softened at this slide? Oh, no, I don't. That's I guess that's the issue is like I do like water slides and roller coasters, so I don't want it to change for other people. I just mean like I think there should be a, a sign maybe. Yeah, maybe There a should sign. just be a sign yeah. of the warnings. So, so that actually is the claim. <laughs> that that sign will be so funny. <laughs> yeah, that warning sign that they have to put up of it's like the silhouette of getting a wedgie. I would like to make that clip art. <laughs> I would like to be the artist who creates the clip art <laughs> for that. <laughs> I mean, that sign. That sign might have as many caveats as I have being on this podcast. They might have to like really go all out and, and say that a lot of things can happen to you. True. Yeah. It's just Mickey Mouse giving. Giving a, a girl a wedgie. <laughs> All right, that was good. Well, what's the other one? Or it's connected to Wolf of Wall Street. How do you want to start? Yeah, the other one's connected to Wolf of Wall Street. So do you want 
Sam, do you want to talk about sort of like the proposition you gave me and like how, like how we came to this to this movie? Yeah, it was a good choice, but you did break the rules. I broke the rules, but and and I I would I, I would say I'm a long time listener of the pod. Yeah, and we appreciate that. You're you're a super fan. Yeah. Yeah, I would consider myself. You're a long time so first actually, time. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I had already we had already had this conversation, and then the prior podcast came out with the regulations of what I was supposed to do. So there was sort of we had already there was like a little bit of confusion. I actually, as a super fan, and and to give some feedback, I'm not sure what has it ever been discussed that the movies are of the time is that like i mean until last week like i, I feel like that, that was like new regulations put on me that i hadn't really known in the past it's possible that we talked about it off uh off mic that's something that we decided right oh uh, yeah yeah uh, maybe it was not clear um mm-hmm. that we were always committed to a movie of the time but you did get your regulations but i guess after what you're saying is you already picked your movie i'd already picked the movie but it's i guess for the listeners at home if you want to be a part of the podcast you it, as it turns out the movies are discussed of the time which i do i think that does make sense based on the premise we will look but, back deep into the canon of the podcast to see if we mention it on air but if not we're gonna yeah we're that gonna is your claim <laughs> i'm gonna spend sunday scouring every episode <laughs> you mentioned it last week you did mention it last week but that was after i'd already been given the directive okay sure so anyway so any, i'm giving you plead innocence. Actually, I, 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 plead, I plead innocence. So I, I'm, I'm told to pick a movie for 2013. So the first thing I do is I Google best movies of 2013. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how I do that's, it. That's yeah. what we do. Now, <laughs> now you're you thinking up, like a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you end up with a heist movie every week. <laughs> right, right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, if, you, if you do that, if you Google best movies of 2013, just far and away, Wolf of Wall Street is just like so far on top of the list. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I come to Sam and I'm like, Sam, this is the obvious choice is usually the right one. And Sam comes to me and says it needs to be of the time. So I, this is this is where I'm coming at it. And maybe this is where we expand the scope of the podcast. I think that period pieces very much look on our lenses of the time where they, when they were created. So my hypothesis going into my watch of 2013 was, or I'm sorry, going into my watch of Wolf of Wall Street was this is going to be a 2013 telling of the 1980s. And I think I was right. I think I nailed my hypothesis. I, I think you're right too. I think we both agree that you were correct. You're, you're right. And if you come on this podcast with conviction, I can be persuaded. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, that's, that's the other thing is, well, uh, perfect politics for me podcast is continuing education that's right you went to so, public policy school i did i got a master's of public policy but i'm not i don't feel that my politics are perfect but i think this podcast is getting me in that direction it's 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 all in the spirit of improving that's uh, right yeah we're in the pursuit of perfection um and, and we're honored to be your continued education in that journey well i'm, I'm honored to be included it's sort of like and you, you, uh, you, what you feel like you're in the heist when you're watching a heist movie. Like when I, when I listen to the podcast, I, I pretend I'm in the podcast. I always, I'm, usually it's like fact checking you guys saying, <laughs> you know, that wasn't right. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
today you're here and you get to be wrong with us. Yeah. It's it's a much more relaxing role. We want you to calm down, relax, have fun, and be wrong. Yeah, sit back and just be wrong a little bit. Okay. So what do you guys want to talk about? I have a couple things to bring up, but I don't where are we at in the where are we at in the discussion of Wolf of Wall Street? Well, I mean, I think that you're right that it was a very 2013 movie and it was a very influential movie. Yeah, so there's so I would I'd love to talk about the influence. I think the influence is sort of like kind of how how we end it, but I, I think uh, or how I think that's sort of like the, the the crescendo is obviously the influence. But there's two there's two things I wanted to bring up. Curious your guys' thoughts on how I thought it was 2013. The one the big one, which is sort of like a technical point, but it stood out. And I think it was pretty uh, informative. Was you know when they're on the boat, and I'm assuming. For the listeners at home, we've kind of done like a plot rundown, or do we need to do a plot rundown? Uh, no, not so much. We just kind of assume people know what we're talking about. Okay, cool. So, you know when he's on the boat with the FBI, and he comes in, and it's sort of like, oh, did you bribe the FBI? Right, and he's throwing lobster tails at him and everything. Yeah, we're doing lobster tails and that whole thing. So, there's like a, there's like a very seminal scene where, where he's sort of like, we're the little guy, like, I'm the little guy. You need. You should see what these big guys are doing. These CDOs, like this is this is crazy. Yeah. And the CD for for for, for you got for those listening. I know my I, I just very basically the uh, CDO was the the security the debt instrument that basically like spurred the housing crisis in, in 07, 08 and the financial crisis. These things didn't really even they they were created in the eighties, but they didn't even exist like in a real way until the early two thousands. It didn't like speed until like 05 06 gotcha so, yeah i was like that is such a just shot at like oh yeah let's throw in a thing about the financial crisis let's oh yeah jordan belford knew knew about the financial crisis in the 80s and he knew 08 was gonna happen right they glorified him in in that moment a little bit he wouldn't have been a genius enough to know that the housing crisis was coming no that was great yeah no it's like they basically implied that he was he was gonna in, in 1987 he was gonna predict 07 Right, but yeah. they use it as an opportunity to be like, he's a criminal, but the the big guys are criminals too. Yeah, absolutely. There's no way. Like, I, it just didn't even make sense chronologically. Yeah, I I didn't know that. I uh, I I saw I saw that as well, and I pointed that out as something that was like, oh, that's like a real thing that he's talking about. But I had no idea that it would it wouldn't be something that would be on his radar. There probably would be other things that would be on his radar, right, in the 80s? Yeah, you know, was there other things that wouldn't have been that they, that they said were in the movie? No, just like, I feel like what you're saying is that's a, that's a weird example because he wouldn't have known about that, but there might have been other things that he was wary of that the big, like, firms, were, like, were doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he would have, or he would have just been like, oh, like, they don't view me. I think there was like a thing where like they had to do the Steve Madden IPO to basically like look like a big a big player. Like he would have been aware of like we need to do IPOs and like we need to be like a regulated like real entity. But I just don't. I don't think he would have known about CDOs causing the like causing the crisis. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They make him look a little bit more like a wizard in that moment. Hundred percent. And that just felt a little. Basically, like the premise for me is like i don't even i think this was like 2013 the economy was pretty good we were like five years 
out of the financial crisis, like there was still like a wariness around like the financial system, but like also people were ready to like see people get rich. Like this was a movie that you kind of like, this was like a, oh, economy is looking good. Like let's see a guy get rich. But also don't forget, sometimes financial institutions can be uh, scary. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it was a little bit of a... I, yeah, I do think that we were in a place where we were excited about luxury porn. HBO shows have it like succession is luxury porn billions is luxury porn. Yeah after yeah in this range people started to be like I wonder I wonder what kind of cars billionaires drive. Yeah Yeah, and I think I mean I haven't looked into this but like don't you think Wolf of Wall Street also like the I think the like the moral of the story is like wealth and sort of like greed and ambition can like tear you down but I don't know. It looked like he, he looked like he had a lot of fun getting to the top, and his downfall wasn't that wasn't all that pronounced in the movie. Like, don't you think Wolf of Wall Street is probably one of the most memed movies of the last ten years? Um, yes, I I do think that it became a rallying cry of like an attitude for guys um, who wanted to get rich, and they saw that the biggest consequence was you go to jail and you play tennis. Yeah, the the worst part is he has to drink non-alcoholic beer. That was like his big punishment. <laughs> yeah, and now he's out, and now he's like a famous, uh, I don't know, he, coach, like a Tony Robbins type, like yeah. motivational speaker. Yeah, he's just famous again. He's really like a a success story of like a pirate in a way, a guy who just got away with it, but he inspired so many people to ha- like adopt that attitude. Yes. That makes sense. It even like financially adds up where it's like they're penny stocks. Like you can yeah. be, you can be a garbage man and think that you're investing in something big. It's like you're tricking a lower class of investors into wasting their money. I mean, yeah, I think it's interesting. I think you're right. I think it's a, a movie that influenced the modern time uh, in a way that makes it relevant for our 2013 movie. Yeah. Uh, you got a news story I that goes along with this? I did have... So I have, I have a news story that's related, and then also I did have another 
my, this is a minor observation. Let me do the minor observation first. Did you guys notice that just a couple times in the movie, like they just trashed on McDonald's? They're like, if you work at McDonald's, you're lazy. I I remember that. Did, did they do it a few times? I remember that one line. <laughs> they did it at least twice. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why they did it. It was like uh, the guy who was cleaning his goldfish bowl. They were like, go work at McDonald's. Go if work you want to fuck with your pets on new issue day. Yes, exactly. So they did it then. And then there was a scene where like, it was like Jordan Belfort doing an infomercial and one of his clients was like, I'm not lazy. I'm not going to work at McDonald's. Yeah. it's for, so, for me, working at McDonald's has always been the gold standard of like a shitty job. interesting because i don't in the 80s i don't think that was the case and like weirdly now like i don't all it's come out like all these service shops are, are like on the forefront of higher pay and like like more respected as like skill skill jobs so it, it, it felt it felt very like 2000s to me to be like oh mcdonald's such a bad job i don't think you would have gotten that in the 80s or in, or today yeah, it was like in the 80s, it's like uh, McDonald's rocks. La food rocks. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, food is cool. <laughs> McDonald's is so good, I would want to work there. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of weird. That was another thing where I was like, that feels like a, two, a mid-2000s like, bully. Right? Yeah, that makes sense. That didn't register with me. But yeah, I mean, McDonald's in the 80s is not a punching bag like it was in 2003. <clears throat> right, and I don't think it's a punching bag now. Like, it's like you see like the UPS drivers like making 200 grand. Like, I don't, people like at the forefront of like sort of service and retail, like are, are the, the wages are going up. I, I don't think it's a punching bag today either. I don't know. Do you hang out with anybody who works at McDonald's? Mm, no, but I think they make $20 an hour now. What, yeah, what I will say is that I do get sad when I drive by a Del Taco and it says the management position is $22 an hour because that is very close to what I get paid for some, like, working, you know, for, like, a media company or something. Like, it's, but at the same time, I don't envy them because I would rather be yelled at by my boss over Slack than uh, right. work through, work in a drive through Yeah, I mean, those are full-time employees, you're locked into that. Yeah. It's taken you a while to secure that health care at Del Taco. But but and I now do, you're a manager. You've been there for 18 months. But I do get a little upset that it's so close to how much I would be, I'm would i making. Right. <laughs> yeah, that, that does make sense. I, and so I, I'll say my, my news article that I said. So there was one other thing that it was sort of like, oh, the, the story was kind of like, oh, if you, if you get rich in these sort of ambitious, greedy ways, like your life will fail. Another thing I think was sort of, it was sort of like, don't do drugs. I personally had never heard of a Quaalude before this movie. I think the popularity of Quaaludes like absolutely exploded post-2013 because of this. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think it became like a really popular drug. And in an article uh, I was reading two weeks ago, a woman uh, was arrested uh, for selling like $1.5 million of Quaaludes. See, I didn't know they were still around. That's interesting to hear. The yeah. Quaalude, it, it's like a, a metaphor for the rest of this movie where the message is like Quaalude, one of the most dangerous now illegal drugs there were. Yeah, he keeps, he and like a big part in the movie is like, and you got, you poor schmucks can't even get them anymore. <laughs> like he keeps saying like how rare they are. Sure. Arrested, like, for, like, selling a couple million dollars of 
I, right. I yeah. 100, 100% think that's because of this movie. Totally agree. Yeah, so, but so instead of the message being, this is a bad drug, people are like, all right, let's go get that drug now. I, I think the question I want to ask now for, for you is, do you feel like, I think I already know the answer, but did this movie uh, succeed as a cautionary tale or did it influence the world to be more like these guys yeah i think i think the it's so cool they made they made looking rich and doing drugs look so fun yeah um that like it, it so clearly sparked a revolution of like trying to get rich and doing drugs crypto and lewds <laughs> that's <Yeah>. the <laughs> i know yeah Yeah, it's a rock show of stuff. It's really fun, and my my argument also is that it is three hours, and the people who would be able to finish this movie and see like, oh, this guy just ends up having a bad life, and this is like this guy's in this guy's a jerk off. Like, they're not gonna make it through the whole movie if they do watch it again. They're probably gonna watch like an hour and a half and just see the fun parts. Right. Yeah, no, the last third of the movie uh, is very humbling, but it's important to complete the story. Yeah. You have to watch it, but you definitely, you've, 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 you've watched a full movie in two hours. Like, you've watched a really fun you've watched, movie. You've, you've had a lot of fun. Right. Much like the woman going down the water slide, <laughs> two-thirds of the way down, having the time of her life, the last one-third, reality sets in. <laughs> just going too fast doing too fast yeah so i so uh, one of the reasons i picked this movie i should have led with this is because i i I watched it in 2013 so i'm curious if you guys thought it held up over the 10-year span also i I have to note that i sat next to my grandmother in theaters uh when i watched this for the first time yeah i was with you we were in florida it was christmas day or christmas eve maybe (laughs) Yeah. Who chose I it? I think we even knew. I think we knew it was a bad idea at the time. Like it, it wasn't like a su- surprise that you, it was so scandalous. No, I don't think so. I mean, uh, our family was aware that Casino and Goodfellas exist, and this was just the third iteration of a Martin Scorsese uh, crime movie. Or he's done a bunch of them, but those these three feel connected to me. Yeah. So everyone was aware. I I I'll go first. I think it did. I really liked watching the whole thing all the way through. I've probably watched the first half of this movie like five times, but I've only finished it like twice. And so like this might have been the first time I actually finished it all the way through since the first time I saw it. And I really like the entire package of what it is. I think it definitely holds up um if you're willing to like sit through the sad part. <laughs> right. <clears throat> Um, me too. I, I liked it a lot. I think it's even funnier now, um, to me at least, than it was in 2013. And I just, think it's much funnier. I think it's much funnier. I agree. 
Um, but yeah, I, I think in retrospect, we probably shouldn't have watched it with our extended family on Christmas Eve. <laughs> yeah, but it was a good time. I think everyone enjoyed it. it won't, the, what makes it funnier for me is I feel like Leonardo DiCaprio and Jonah Hill have had like kind of like a weird relationship for the last 10 years. So it's kind of fun to like see those guys back in action, like captured on the screen. True. You do get uh, maybe to me a more likable Leo and a more likable Jonah Hill in this movie. I think that's right. I think you get, like, maybe, if you look at, like, likability of both of those guys, like, it might have even peaked yeah. this time. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. think, I think it peaked for me with this movie. I don't think they, I don't think either of them, that I can think of off the top of my head made anything that I liked as much as this or that I think they did as good of a job. Yeah, I agree. So it was a fun watch. Nice. Yeah, agreed. Good pick. Yeah, Even great though pick. it was contested at first. <laughs> But that just goes to show that. The other thing which I appreciated is you said if I wanted to argue about it, I could, I could, I could be right. Yeah, you I, can. Yep, you're allowed it, to win and your I, way. I want you to know, even off this, you know, off the podcast right now, we discussed it uh, and gave it serious consideration. We we argued on your behalf. Almost, we played devil's advocate for you. Just yeah. so you know, we're fair. We're no, we're nothing if not fair. Yeah, you keep saying that. You keep acting like you were duped by by our system. <laughs> There's no trickery afoot. <laughs> well, I'm, just, I'm feeling fortunate that I didn't pick any, quote, medieval shit or anything. <laughs> yeah, okay. nothing goofy. You did not pick a goofy movie. Um, no. So for that, and I, and I, I don't want it. And I don't want this to come up again, so I will say that we... You know, we are listening to you, and if a movie does come up in the future that we pick that is a period piece or isn't set in the year, then, like, I'm saying that right now that that's a possibility of something that could happen. It's true. You've, you've like, uh, cracked the code. Yeah. You've opened up our, our brains to the possibilities of what a movie could be. No, I appreciate that. No, that's great. Thank I'm you. About that. Yeah, thanks. All right, well, this is good. Anything else? That's all. Uh, I, think, uh, I think this was productive. I do too. I think um, yeah. I think the listeners are going to en- enjoy hearing from you. Yeah, that's great. All I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I was happy to be included. All right. Thanks, well, man. Uh, we'll see you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.